a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray, each of us turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makest his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Good to see you this morning. We get so busy with the details of life so often that we often forget that God is, some, is up to something amazing uh, in our lives, in each of our lives. There's no exceptions. Life, though, has so many starts and stops and ups and downs. I mean, we, some of us have had funerals, weddings, and births all on the same weekend. And our families. And we look, as we look at life, we look for some kind of storyline that passes through and weaves through all of it, that brings it all together. But life can be really confusing for many of us. And if the confusion is not bad enough, what about the conclusion? The conclusion of our lives. Uh, we die. You know, uh, this heart. Uh, unless Jesus returns first, we'll stop beating someday. These hands will go limp. These lungs will exhale for the last time. We all die. No one escapes death. Uh, death, one man said, is the most democratic of all institutions. It doesn't discriminate. It tolerates no exceptions. 
the mortality rate of mankind is the same the world over. One death per person. In Psalm 89, it says these words, What man can live and not see death or save himself from the power of the grave? Young and old, good and bad, uh, rich and poor, no gender is spared, no person is exempt. In Ecclesiastes, it says these words, No one has power over the day of his death. The genius, the rich, the poor, no one outruns it, no one outsmarts it. You know, everyone dies. Abraham Lincoln died. Very famous Illinoisan. Well, he's been claimed by multiple states, but uh, I think we claim him here too. Uh, John Lennon died. Elvis Presley died, at least we think so. <laughs> Princess Diana died. Nearly two people a second, nearly uh, more than 6,000 an hour, uh, 155,000 each day, 57 million people die each year. We all die. No matter what you do, the finest surgeon might enhance your life, but he cannot uh, eliminate your death. You can take all the supplements you want. Uh, you can eat the perfect diet. You can stay out of the sun. You can stay away from alcohol and tobacco. You might even improve the quality of your life, but you will never eliminate the inevitability of death. Isn't that a bummer? Aren't you glad you came today to hear about this? Well, I hope you will be by the time we finish this morning. You know, we just die. Or do we? Or do we? Uh, What if this time here on this earth is just the first day? What if this is just the first chapter? What if this is just the first sentence of the first chapter? What if, what if this is just the first word of the first sentence? of the first chapter? What if, what if this is just the first letter of the first word of the first sentence of the first chapter of the story that God is writing with our lives? What if it, this time on earth is just us getting started? That's the message of Easter. That's why we come and we have balloons and we celebrate, even though we talk about death. In Scripture, we see the story of Easter. It was Sunday morning after the Friday execution. And the executioners were confident that they had done their work. Uh, They had finalized it by piercing the side of Jesus with a spear to make sure he was dead. And that final breath had seemed to suck all of the air that Jesus took, all the air out of the universe. And as his body lay in a grave on that Sunday morning... No one was placing bets on a resurrection. The only concern that the soldiers had was this bothersome disciples who kept giving them a hard time. The religious leaders were concerned too. In fact, they went to Pilate, the person that, one of the persons that Jesus had gone before and said, give us this order for the tomb to be made secure. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and claim that he has risen. They were concerned about a hoax going on, some kind of a thing going on that, uh, that that we know is not true. But as we know, and as we read in Scripture, um, there was no concern necessary. The disciples were at meltdown. And all the disciples had fled, the Bible says. Peter, you know, Peter, the God who was always claiming he would be the last one there. Peter had followed him from, for a while from a distance, and then he had fled and even denied him. John, who is known as the beloved disciple, uh, followed Christ all the way 
to the cross and even witnessed the resurrection. But there is no indication that John even was expecting a resurrection. And the other disciples were hiding in every available hiding place in Jerusalem that they could find for fear a cross might bear their name. And on Saturday night, it seemed as if the enemy had won. And when the women came on Sunday morning to the cemetery, they did not come to talk to Jesus there. They came with the purpose of embalming a body. But God had other plans. We read in Matthew 28 these words, verses 2 through 6. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow and the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. And the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. The earth shook. The women probably were struggled to keep their balance and must have been like an earthquake. They looked in the direction of the tomb and there they saw on the ground some guards frozen stiff, paralyzed, passed out. Appearances that they were dead. It's ironic that the job of the, of the guards were to guard a dead man. And now they appear dead. And the dead man they were guarding is apparently alive. And the angel, and the angel has, has, has descended from heaven and, and he's rolled away a stone and then he does something I think that's very strange. He sits on it. I don't know about you guys, but when I think of angels, I don't think of them sitting around. You know, with their legs crossed. I don't know if he did that or not. But it says he sat on it because I would expect the angel is, you know, he's powerful enough to roll away this huge stone by himself. That he was standing there like, you know, with his wings spread out, maybe with a sword in his hand, you know, kind of like being fierce. But now he's rolled away the stone and he's sitting there, it says here in scripture, on the stone. And it fell to the angel to make the Easter announcement. He has risen. He has risen. Three words in English, but only one word in the original Greek language. It's the word egerthe. That's the closest thing I can do to pronounce the word uh, in uh, in English. Egerthe. He is risen. Uh, When Matthew wrote this story, that was the word that he used. That was the word he wrote down, egerthe. It comes from a family of words which means this, to awaken. And isn't it seem to be an odd word to use in a cemetery? We think of a cemetery as a place to go to sleep. We like to use that term because it doesn't sound as, as bad as death. But we never think of the word to awaken attached to a cemetery. But the thing is this, and this is why we come to celebrate today, because, because of Egerthe, because that he has risen... It's the single most important event that ever happened in the history of the world. Matter of fact, Scripture says if it didn't happen, if Christ has not risen, then all of Christianity is a joke. And we have been, as followers, have followed a lie if it's not true. 
In 1 Corinthians 15, 17, it says, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. We have no hope if God does not have power over death. But, but, if it's true, if Jesus has risen, if this egerthay is real, then you can believe this, that God has real power over death. And Scripture tells us that Christ has risen. Egerthay, he has risen. Not risen from sleep, not spiritually raised, but physically raised from death. You know, when the women at the, and the disciples uh, saw Jesus, they didn't see a ghost. They saw a risen person, and he assured them that it, that was who he was. On the road to Emmaus, later on, Jesus sees he encountered two disciples. Uh, they saw a pilgrim just like they were. He didn't uh, levitate as he walked along the ground. He wasn't a ghost. His feet touched the ground, and, and his hands broke bread with him. It says in Scripture, when Mary saw Jesus in the garden, she thought he was a gardener because he looked so common. When Thomas touched the wounds in the hand of Jesus, His hand did not go through Jesus' body. He touched a hand of flesh. Jesus was raised in a body of flesh. In Luke 24, this is what he says. He says this, Jesus says, Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And why was Jesus so insistent about this? Why is this so important? Because it means everything. If Jesus was just raised in our memory... Uh, If he lives just in our heart, he is no different than my grandfather or my grandmother who lives on in my memory and in my heart, but whose body is buried. And, And Jesus is no different than if he's not raised physically, he's no different than all the martyrs who have come and have died and they've gone and left a legacy. But if he is bodily resurrected, Bodily raised, as the scriptures teach. That means that right now in the very heart of heaven, in the very holiest of places, he lives and oversees all the affairs of history. And he issues this promise to us. That what God did with his grave, with Jesus' grave, he will do with yours. That when this body we live in dies, he will resurrect us to live eternally with him. And what we think of, that's the end of the story, we call death, it's just the beginning. And what you think of as the end turns into a preface, a new start. Yes, we will all face physical death, unless Christ comes first. But we will not face it alone. And we need not face it in fear. In John 11, it says these words, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Then he asks this question, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Our body, what God says, will, will cease, but we will pass through a time of transition, but you will never die. What a remarkable promise. Everybody on earth is telling you how to improve the quality of your life, are they not? I mean, you can go out and buy a zillion books and hear everybody on TV tell you how to improve the quality of your life. Dr. Oz tells you every day and 
And you go through all the different things that you do. But only Jesus Christ comes to you with a solution for the grave. That is what sets him apart. That's what sets Easter apart. I have had... I don't know if I'm going to use the word privilege, but the opportunity to help over 300 people and families go through the thing called death. I've been in ministry a long time. And at Great Oaks, we have a much younger congregation in the last 10 years. It's been really, I haven't done that many funerals. But the church before this, for 13 years, I was at a church that was an older congregation. And in 13 years, I did 270 funerals. I didn't count them. Uh, My secretary told me that's how many I did. But many of those times, I was with people as they were going through their final stages of life, and I saw how they faced their death. And I can tell you this. There is a difference in how one faces death when they have placed their trust in Christ versus somebody who has not done that. There is a huge chasm between the two. I don't know how you will approach death, but I can say this with certainty. I can say this with certainty. If you have placed your trust in Jesus Christ, you will die in peace. If you've placed your trust in Jesus Christ and have entrusted your soul to him, the one who has defeated death, he says he will defeat yours. And it won't be the end. It'll be a beginning. But I asked asked this question this morning of this crowd. But what if you never entrust your soul to Christ? I know we have people here probably who have not done that. What if you never do? What if you say, well, I I will just face death on my own and let the chips fall where they may? Then you will. Face death on your own. You will face death all alone with no shepherd to guide you, with no savior to save you for all of eternity. And I ask this question, why would you do that? Why would you do that? When God says you can say yes to Jesus today, no one can do it for you. But no one can keep you from doing it. You can say yes to Jesus. And when you do, let me tell you this, the last day of your life becomes the best day of your life. And what everyone else fears is maybe not what you want yet. No, I mean, none of us, you know, even myself, I don't look forward or anticipate wanting to die anytime soon. But what everyone else fears is maybe not what you want yet, but you won't dread it. Because you know it's a doorway to life eternal with God. Because of what His words. That's what Easter is all about. I just got back about two and a half weeks ago from Africa. Interesting trip. Was in Mali. Mali is going through turmoil right now. The day after I left, uh, there was a coup. And the borders were shut down. 
If I hadn't got out the day I did, I'd probably still be there. But the thing I learned in Mali and going out to the villages and the people out there as I went through Mali, and people have asked me in the last couple of weeks about, you know, what did you learn? What did you learn there? And when I went there, I had certain preconceptions about things. And, and as I went there, I saw, yes, I saw poverty. And I saw uh, lots of people that didn't have a lot of stuff. And, and I saw people that were, it was kind of a chaotic country. But as I went out in the bush and visited the villages out in Mali of the Ilanka people that we're trying to send missionaries to, what I began to realize that I thought that they needed the most, you know, you know, we go out there and you ask your question, well, what do they need? Well, they need education. The kids aren't getting educated. They need medical care because they have hardly no medical care whatsoever. Those are important things. But I realize now more than anything else that the thing they need the most is this, is they need to have this peace about eternity. They need to know who Jesus Christ is, as Lord and Savior. Because we could feed them, and we could educate them, and they could be have all everything in the world, and it's the, they need the same things that we need. And the most important thing that we need is God in our life. To have certainty about our future. And the only thing that I believe that gives you that certainty is having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And Easter opened the door for that. Winston Churchill planned his own funeral service. He was a very organized man, obviously. And I thought, what a unique funeral service, because this is what he did. He left instructions that when he was to die, that he was to have a service at St. Paul's Cathedral. And he said that one of the things he wanted, he wanted two buglers to be positioned high in St. Paul's Cathedral. And at the end, at the conclusion of the service, the first bugler was to play taps. Taps is the song that signals the end of the day. And as taps was still ringing in that humongous cathedral, then the second bugler was to start playing another song, Reveille. Reveille is the song of a day begun. And I thought, that is a great way to end your time. Because, yes, one chapter has ended, but it's the new day that has begun for the person who trusts Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. What a perfect, I I might use that at my funeral, I don't know. I thought it was good. Because in the hands of Christ, the cemetery becomes for the Christian not a place where we go to die. But the place from where we will be called to live. Egerthe. Christ has risen. Christ has risen. And it has changed everything. This morning... I want to give you the opportunity, if you've never done so, to say yes to Jesus Christ. Because the most important thing you can do in your life, the most important decision in all of life, is not what job you'll do, even who you'll marry. Those are important decisions. But the most important decision is who you will trust with your life 
for all of eternity. And I believe Scripture teaches us clearly that because of what God has done through His Son, Jesus Christ, taking our sins upon Himself, dying upon a cross, but then proving that He has power over death, that He has risen, that we have now the opportunity to no longer fear the thing that sometimes most of us dread the most. I've heard it said that you're not really ready to live until you're ready to die. I believe that's true. If this morning you've never accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, here's two things I want to encourage you to do. If you want to talk with somebody about that, following a couple of songs in just a moment, following our offering and whatever, you can uh, go to the prayer room. It's going out those doors after, after a while here and talk with someone there. But if you'd like to come back this week or have somebody to call you and talk to you about your next step with God, wherever it may be, uh, in your bulletin, there is a card. It says connection card. You can pull those out right now. It says connection card in there. It should be some kind of a slip of paper or a uh, card or whatever. It says connection card. And if you'd like to talk with someone about that and want to spend more time than you know today you don't have a lot of time to you you plan on lunch or something after this and so you know you're going to be rushed and you don't want to do it this is an important decision to make i would encourage you to fill out some information on that card just some basic information and then what i want you to do is i want you to uh check the box that says i want to know more about jesus christ or write whatever decision it is you want to do on that card and in just a moment when we have our offering our ushers will take up our offering in just a moment then you can place that card in that offering uh bag as it goes by this morning and uh and and that'll be one way of connecting with us and letting us know you want to talk with someone one of our leaders in regards to this whole issue of where where you are with jesus christ as lord and savior so I ask our ushers to prepare themselves to come forward right now. And then uh, as they come forward, let me just pray. And then we'll have our offering. And then we'll have uh, some closing song. Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakscc.org.